0: Hello and welcome to the Your Life Choices Podcast. I'm John Deeks and today we welcome back the multi-award winning Australian psychologist Peter Quarry. If you'd like to know more about Peter and his good works, go to peterquarry.com. Simple as that, Quarry. Dot com. He's got lots of wisdom and insight. And today, Peter,
1: we're talking about pain. Are you talking about mental, physical? What kind of pain? Look, may, well, it's interesting that you make a distinction between mental and physical. Look, I was, um, I was at the Queenscliff Literary Festival not so long ago. And were you presenting, or were you just uh, there uh, serving? Uh, b- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking, no, a- both. Actually, actually, I was I, I presented a workshop, a two hour workshop on, oh. on memoir writing, ah, uh, which which is a forte for which you because I know well, the that's what my Australian book's about. Financial Review are looking at doing more on that, aren't they? They, they are, are indeed. And my book, my book, uh, if I were you, a psychologist, uh, puts himself on the couch, looks at how to how to write memoirs. So I ran a workshop on it, but I also had another gig, which was to interview a doctor by the name of Paul Beegler who's a very interesting man. He has a background in emergency medicine. Then he went back to university, did a PhD in postdoctoral work in bioethics. And he's now become a science writer and journalist. And he's just published a very good book called Why Does It Still Hurt?, which looks at the latest scientific research trying to understand the nature of pain, and in particular chronic pain, which is something that affects about one in five Australians. I'm interested that you're taking this approach to, to
0: to physical pain because you're a psychologist who normally deals in psychological
1: pain. Well, look, it's so in- what's the bridge? Okay. So the worst thing that you can say to somebody who suffers from chronic pain. And what I mean by chronic pain is pain that goes on and on and on and on for months and sometimes years. Sure. The worst thing that you can say is, oh, it's all in your head. Because the reality is it's it is both real and in your head. And I, I think people have a little and trouble. And debilitating. Oh, and terribly debilitating. And it causes great depression and great problems. I mean, it, it's awful because it's, it's literally agony that is with you the whole time. Now, the very interesting thing is that our understanding of pain used to be that it was a bit like a string where you pull a string at one end and a little bell goes off at the other. In other words, you you bump your knee. Um, You've got a toothache, whatever. A toothache, and the, and, the, and the signal goes up your nervous system to your brain and registers at pain. The reality is that it's not as simple as that, and I'll give you one simple example to illustrate that. Imagine you're playing footy. And you've actually got bumped, or you've cut yourself, or grazed yourself. You probably don't feel the pain because you're so in the game. You know, you're trying to score the goals, or you know, do this or what have. The adrenaline's pumping, and it's only after the game is finished and you go into the change room where all of a sudden you go, "Ow, what is that?" And you look down, and there's this great big gash in your leg that you didn't even feel before. Now that shows how the brain can sometimes switch off pain. And there's one theory called the pain gate theory which is that the nervous system operates like a little bit of a gate. But what we know about the nervous system is that it has this quality called neuroplasticity, which is the ability to rewire itself. Now, neuroplasticity can be a double-edged sword, and I'll give you some examples. Let's say you have something like a stroke or you've had an accident with some sort of brain, you know, maybe a car accident, you've had some brain damage. To a certain degree, and it obviously varies from case to case, the brain can actually rewire itself around the injury. Now, sometimes really well, sometimes only a little bit, depends on the details. But this is called neuroplasticity. So it has its positive side because it can actually help you, to some extent, recover from some sort of damage to your brain. On the other hand, though, it can have a negative side. This is called maladaptive neuroplasticity. And I know these are long words, but it's important to understand them. And this is where the brain and the nervous system develops pathways which are actually harmful. And this is what explains chronic pain. So I might have some damage somewhere in the body as a result of an accident Mm. or maybe an infection or something like this. And I experience pain. What can happen is the actual damage can heal. So, you know, the wound heals or the infection goes away, but the pain stays the same. So the central nervous system has become sensitised and the pain actually remains the same and continues on. And what they reckon is that... So you're physically fixed, but the the pain is still... The pain is... And it's real pain. It's not imaginary pain. And this is terribly... You know, it's not like, oh, you're imagining it. It's in your head. It is, it is re- in your head, is, but you're not imagining it. That's exactly right. It is real pain, wow. but it is in your head, and it's because of a, a feature of the sense of the central nervous system called sensitization. So, his book, Paul Beegle's book, describes a whole bunch of experiments that have been done that explore this and help people understand what happens in these cases of chronic pain. So, for example, they did an experiment. This is one of the most famous experiments where they worked on rats. And what they did is they caused pain in the rats by pinching their little, their poor little legs. And what happened is they did this a number of times and then they stopped. And what happened is the rats developed this central sensitization. so that even if the experimenter came along with a little paintbrush and just very gently brushed the part of the leg the rats felt the same level of pain as if it had been pinched. So the nervous system had become hypersensitized to any little stimulus and it read it as pain. So I am imagining
0: that this could be a problem in as much as if our footballer is out there on the field and has an injury but doesn't feel it at the time... It could cause more because nature is saying, no, you're, you've
1: got a problem here, fella. You need to stop. So isn't that mucking around with that? Well, that, that's exactly right. And you're, you're correct, John, to say that pain is nature's warning system. Yes, I that's, mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the way th- uh, the, the body <laughs> yeah. uh, alerts us that something is wrong and that we need to deal with it. So is he fiddling with that? Well, well, it is. And, and the reality is the relationship between the injury and the pain is not as simple as one e- plus one equals two. It's more complicated. So distilling it down, what's he trying to get to? Well, what he, what's he trying to get to is that we tend to think about relieving pain through drugs mm. and you think about the oxytocin epidemic oh, in yeah, America, yeah. which apparently I, I read somewhere has caused the first decrease in life expectancy in America in a century. Wow. Right. So, you know, a lot of people in chronic pain take heaps and heaps and heaps of tablets and medication to try and control it with varying degrees of success. Then, of course, you have often surgery. So you think about all the different types of back pain and let's do surgery. And there's been a lot of research that has been done that Beigler describes in the book Mm. where the surgery often has little or no effect. Now, this depends, obviously, what the surgery is, so I'm not generalising saying yeah. all surgery is bad, not at all. But what there seems to be is a growing recognition that one way of dealing with chronic pain is by using psychological devices as opposed to medicines, surgery, more physical types of treatment. Now I'll give you, I'll get, let me give you a couple of examples here. I know a person who's very close to me has suffered from lower back pain for 30 years and he would have described that back pain as probably a, on average, 7 out of 10. And, you know, some days are a little bit better, some days are a little bit worse. He went to see a doctor in Melbourne who is up with this latest thinking about pain because unfortunately not all medicos are up to date with this. And a lot of them will say, oh, look, I don't know anything about this or think it's hocus-pocus. Ouija
0: board stuff, yeah. Ouija
1: board. But, I mean, the point is, Begler's book describes all the scientific evidence and it makes a very strong case for it. So, anyway, this guy went to uh, this doctor who is up to date with this stuff... And said, look, I've got back pain. Anyway, he did an examination to rule out any physical damage because obviously if there is physical damage, then you need to deal with that yeah. appropriately. So ruling out any physical damage, what he did is he explained this idea of central sensitization to my friend and gave him some literature to read, some articles and what have you, and said, go away and read this and have a think about this and come back and see me in six weeks. And sure enough, my friend went back six weeks later and his pain had gone down from about seven to about three to four on average. Now, not a cure, but a definite improvement. And this illustrates what's been proven with some research that shows that merely providing people with information about this new understanding of pain. I mean, acknowledging that it's real, you know, it's not imaginary, but that it's caused by this central sensitization. The, the doctor who I referred to described it like an electric guitar where the volume has been turned up really high. Just giving information itself can actually have, as my friend's example illustrates, an improvement in pain. And a lot of it is is about this idea of changing the way we view pain because we are programmed through evolution to think of pain as meaning there is some injury. But the reality is in a lot of cases of chronic pain, The pain is not related and the injury's gone. Is this kind of
0: people would have maybe, you know, and still do, uh, go to hypnosis or meditation? Yes. Yes. uh, Similar sort of vein? Absolutely. You're you're
1: training the brain to... Absolutely. Beigler quotes one beautiful example in his book of a guy who did hypnosis. Now, one point about hypnosis I've got to make is not everybody is susceptible to hypnosis. And I think the stats are that about up to about 70% of us are susceptible, the rest aren't. So it won't work for everyone. But he quoted this one example of this guy who used hypnosis. And the, the, uh, the therapist got him to think about a pain dial, you know, a little bit like, you know, the temperature thing on your oven. And he could, in his mind, switch it up or switch it down. And sure enough, after training him to use this imaginary pain dial, the guy, when he had pain, would just kind of close his eyes and imagine the dial, sort of turn it to the left, turn it down, and sure enough, his pain actually would go down. So hypnosis can be very effective. There's another type of therapy which I think is fascinating called pain reprocessing therapy. And this is therapy where you help the patient to reframe or to look at their pain in a different way. And research has shown that up to 66% of subjects with chronic low back pain can be either totally or nearly pain-free up to a year later. So, you know, that's pretty strong stuff, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this. If you're interested, if any of our listeners are interested in this, you can go onto YouTube. And if you type in pain reprocessing therapy you can actually see some examples of people using this therapy and i have went and had a look at one and i was fascinated there was there was this example of this woman who had neck pain and she said whenever i turn my neck i feel pain or most of the times i when i turn my neck i feel pain and the therapist now they had checked to make sure there was nothing physically wrong with her neck that's always an important proviso mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. But he said, now, I, I, there's nothing wrong with your neck. There's nothing structurally wrong with your neck. What I want you to do is I want you to turn your head very gently from side to side. Now, if you feel any pain, just observe it. You don't need to worry about it. You're totally safe. This is not a sign of any damage because we know there is no damage. Just observe your pain. And what happened is literally after about five to ten minutes of the patient doing this, she was turning her head from side to side and not experiencing any pain, and she broke into tears. It's it's extraordinarily powerful. And that's on YouTube? That's on YouTube. Now, it reminds me a little bit of this Chinese proverb I once heard, which is if you try to catch the butterfly, it'll always flutter away. But if you just sit and look at the view, the butterfly will come and land on your arm. Now I'm being a bit philosophical there, I know, but it's the idea of not not worrying about your pain, not trying, you know, I've got to get rid of the pain, but just kind of observing it, standing back from it, and that has apparently a remarkable effect on the ability to reduce pain. Wow. Isn't that great? This this is absolutely fascinating. Now, I'm not I'm – not, let, let me say once again, this is not just – the sort of psychological treatments are not the only way. Sometimes surgery is important. Sometimes medication sure, is important. Sure. The other thing that's important is exercise, because a lot of people with chronic pain feel that they shouldn't do any exercise because I don't want to. I don't want to make things worse. And of course, what happens is not exercising makes things worse. There was a, a Norwegian study of forty-six thousand people who had chronic pain. And those who exercised at least 30 minutes three times a week, their pain was on average 12% less than the others. So we know from evidence that exercise helps pain. But you need to find somebody who can plan the exercise program with you. Uh, And there's a a particular type of exercise once again called graded exercise, which you can find out all about on the internet, which is aimed particularly at people with chronic pain. I I guess if I can just say one other quick thing. Um, As I mentioned before, a lot of medicos aren't up with this. So if you do suffer from chronic pain, Talk to your doctor and ask them, you know, are you familiar with the concept of central sensitization? That's the term. If they are not you might invite them to find out about it. Uh, Maybe read Beigler's book, which is, you know, not hocus pocus, this is all hardcore scientific evidence backing this idea up. Um, uh, I mean, and certainly if anybody has referred you to a surgeon, uh, uh, Beigler actually quotes Australian surgeon Ian Harris. So this isn't my suggestion, this is an Australian surgeon suggestion who suggests asking any surgeon who suggests surgery, Am I going to be better with the surgery compared to not having the surgery? Mm-hmm. Very important question to ask. So, I think Beagle's book, I strongly recommend it. Um, why does it still hurt? The whole idea of it is to empower us with information, so that because information in and of itself will help the pain, but it'll also empower us to ask the right questions and to know where to get the right sort of help. Peter, you're you're wonderful and thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Peterquarry.com is a good
0: place to go. Uh, Check out his book, If I Were Like You, or look to the Financial Review because Peter's now uh, one of their contributors, which is pretty exciting, isn't it? It is, it is. And thank you for being part of Your Life Choices podcast. We're part of Australia's longest established and most trusted website for the over 50s. And with a mission to inform, empower and engage. We hope we've done that for you today and we'll see you next time.